You're listening to Addiction Medicine Beyond the Abstract, the official podcast of the Journal of Addiction Medicine. If this is your first time listening, thanks for coming. Addiction Medicine Beyond the Abstract is produced for your enjoyment and is focused on the latest journal-published research and science in the field of addiction medicine. Remember to add us to your favorites in iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter at ASAMorg and Facebook. Now, let's go beyond the abstract. Welcome to Addiction Medicine Beyond the Abstract. I'm your host, Dr. Sean McNeil, Digital Content Editor of the Journal of Addiction Medicine. Today we are joined by Leo Beletsky. He is an Associate Professor of Law and Health Sciences at Northeastern University and a Substance Use Policy Researcher. Welcome to the podcast today. I'd like to start by asking you about how you came to focus on this area, specifically the substance use policy. So my background is uh, at the intersection of law and public health policies. My focus is on substance use and its uh, related harms, so transmission of HIV, HCV, uh, criminal justice issues. And I've been working in this field for about 15 years. Uh, So, you know, really predating the current opioid crisis and have had the unfortunate position of kind of watching the issue that I've been focusing on and working on um, go from being kind of an obscure, you know, urban health, primarily urban health, very sort of, um, you know, vulnerable population focused area to being truly a national public health emergency. So that's been very uh, disheartening to watch. I can imagine. And and you mentioned, well, you just mentioned that connection between HIV and substance use. And I feel like you, you also kind of drew that connection in your piece that um, the response to the HIV crisis was this cascade of care model. And you draw some connection to how maybe we can address the substance use crisis with a, with a similar model. Yeah, I, that's, I can't really claim uh, ownership of that idea. That's an idea that's been floated by uh, a lot of different folks, including the piece that I cite is uh, in Health Affairs by uh, Robin Williams and colleagues uh, out of um, uh, New York Psychiatric Institute. But the parallel is important because in many ways, substance use and HIV are both, you know, highly stigmatized, and um, many providers are not um, terribly motivated to care for uh, people who have those conditions. And um, we've had a lot of success in integrating HIV diagnosis and care into primary care settings. Uh, We've come a long way from you know, the early 90s, especially when it was becoming a much more widespread program uh, problem and um, folks were not uh, able to access care to now where uh, a lot of primary care settings are in fact well equipped to care for people with HIV. So in many ways, this offers a model um, by which we can 
make that transition with substance use care, um, which I'm sure many listeners are aware are uh, that care is is uh, highly isolated and lacking in scope and in um, sort of I mean, there's many barriers from clinician training to coverage to other kinds of barriers. So, um, so yeah, so the HIV case study offers a, a useful and, and hopeful model for how to proceed on the path to integrating substance use care into primary care settings. Now, your, your piece was a commentary on this Julie Donahue article. And I just wanted to hear your perspective. Well, why did you decide to to comment on this article specifically? And you know, what what kind of takeaway messages do you think clinicians can glean from from both uh, her article, but also from your commentary? Uh, the so the Donahue article was really important and interesting sort of window onto current efforts to improve that integration that we just spoke about. You know, the the imperative to integrate substance use care into primary care settings has been well documented. And so the question is, how do we do it? And um, one of the ways that has been floated and, and is, you know, kind of uh, reflecting on current efforts to change healthcare practice in general um, to reform it through financial incentives. And so Donahue and colleagues are assessing the impact of alternative quality contracts, which are basically incentive mechanisms that are designed to shift how providers, you know, what services providers offer, um, kind of a, you know, nudging mechanism to try to get providers to behave differently. Um, And the piece is interesting in that it actually doesn't test a direct incentive mechanism, but kind of an indirect incentive mechanism to uh, see if if there's basically like a spillover effect from other kinds of, um, so the incentives are not directly focused on substance use uh, care integration. The, uh, the fact that they kind of found a null result, um, in other words, that you know, financial incentives did not have this desired outcome. It echoes previous findings that uh, where where folks have done similar kinds of studies and have so far found that you know modest financial incentives or indirect financial incentives are not uh, do not appear to be sufficient in um, nudging providers to offer um, more substance use services in their practice. And, you know, this is an important, um, important empirical basis for kind of, you know, with, with important policy implications because financial incentives are a go-to tool and a tool that a lot of folks have sort of posited and assumed might work in this sphere, but um, so far, the empirical data demonstrate that uh, that they may be useful, but they're definitely not sufficient in actually changing provider practice. 
Now, as someone, and this, this might be our final question, but as someone who, um, who is involved in this space of law and policy, uh, where do you see it going in the future? What do you see in terms of trends for the future of substance use disorder uh, policy? Well, uh, I mean, to focus it specifically on this issue of care integration, I think that there's, in the article, I outline a, a number of things that I think are important sort of uh, elements in helping providers make the choice to provide uh, substance use treatment and other services as part of their primary care practice. Uh, right now, a lot of elements are aligned against that choice, including things like stigma and, uh, you know, kind of prejudice against people with substance use disorder. But which definitely needs to be addressed and is definitely part of that choice architecture. But beyond that, um, there are numerous, numerous factors like, you know, insurance structure. So like having to get pre-authorization, um, things like uh, regulation of, uh, especially well in office settings, regulation of buprenorphine prescribing for maintenance treatment is oftentimes something that subjects providers to a lot of audits, enforcement actions, um, and other kinds of scrutiny by regulatory authorities that um, honestly, you know, scares people and pushes people away from engaging in this life-saving um, care. And relatedly, uh, you know, the introduction of prescription drug monitoring programs, I think, also can be can provide a chilling effect because people feel like providers feel like, you know, there's a lot of regulatory and law enforcement surveillance uh, as far as their behavior is concerned. And so they worry that engaging with substance users will expose them to additional risk. In other words, the factors that affect those decisions are are diverse, and in some ways they have to deal with policy and enforcement, um, and in, in in other elements they also have to deal with people's perceptions, and so you have to address both the policy and how providers perceive um, those policies and how they apply to their to their practice and their level of of risk. Well. I really enjoyed getting to hear both the policy side of it and even the economic side of it because it's something I feel like I haven't heard before um, and, and maybe it, it's something that we should be thinking about as clinicians. So I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to come and be a part of the podcast. Yeah, thanks so much for having me and, and uh, for shining a light on this important issue. This ends today's podcast. Thank you for listening to Addiction Medicine Beyond the Abstract. All of today's show links can be found in the show notes. Remember, you can preview additional abstracts at journalofaddictionmedicine.com. This program was produced by the American Society of Addiction Medicine.